There's always something hot happening in South Florida. Talk now with Brian Mudd on News Radio 610 WIOD. process of removing policy accommodation in current circumstances will involve both increases in the target range of the federal funds rate and reduction in the size of the Fed's balance sheet. Yeah, that's uh, what we're talking about. The onset, you had the Federal Reserve that uh, the Chair Jerome Powell indicating rate increases coming here in about a week and a half or so. We're talking to Caleb Silver about that and the Financial market still trying to figure out what the heck to do. I mean, you talk about volatility. Market was up a lot to start today. Now, you know, stocks down across the board. And yeah, well, we'll see where the ball lands. The biggest deal in the here and now is every time we turn around, inflation is hitting us higher and higher and higher. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, based upon gas or oil having touched the uh, the one ten plus mark. And, uh, you know, hanging out around 109 right now, there's no doubt, but that $4 gallon gas is coming to Florida. And there are many implications that, you know, go along with inflation. One of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to inflation, by the way, energy touches everything. I mean, everything. I mean, it's not just whatever the cost of, uh, you know, various different supply chains are, whatever. It takes energy to, to create, to produce, to ship. So, anyway, uh, but we'll t- touch on that a little bit more tomorrow now joining us as always this time we have our former lieutenant governor carlos lopez cantera at lopez cantera how you doing sir i'm doing very well brian how are you yeah given that joe biden is still the president of the united states i'd say well (laughs) yeah we got that one going on so all right hey uh speaking of of uh, political matters um were you surprised about the retirement announcement of ted deutsch I I had heard some rumblings a little while back, and uh, but in the so to that extent, I was not surprised. And in the bigger picture, as it relates to Democrats retiring and leaving Congress, it's not a surprise. There's been a mass exodus. I think they're approaching 30 incumbents that are not running for re-election or going on to other things. So they're all seeing the writing on the wall, and they're looking for the exit door. And so herein lies, if you take a look at a lot of the reporting on this, you'll see citations that various different prognosticators said that seat was safe. And Deutsch won it by 17 points two years ago. He had even bigger margins of victory in, in certain cycles previous to that. Do you believe that this is a case where he was that concerned? Or um, you know, do you think he really wanted to lead the... I think it's. I don't think it's about him being concerned that he was going to lose an election. Uh, I think it was. It probably had to do more with an opportunity that was that presented itself. And this is my speculation, but an opportunity that presented itself, coupled with uh, what looks like a long protracted stint in the minority in the House, because the Republicans are expected to take control of the House, and usually those 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 swings last several years. So he was look he'd already been there many years, over a decade. And I don't know if he had the, the stomach to spend uh four, six, eight, potentially twelve years in the minority. How big of a pick pickup opportunity do you think this is for Republicans? Uh it'd be an uphill battle to win that seat. Now, I don't know how it's gonna play out as it relates to redistricting, but I still think the areas that, that district covers, that's gonna be a pretty safe uh, Democrat seat. 
And if you look at the number of Democrats that are lining up to run for it, it's going to be a, a, a all-out war in that primary, it looks like. Given the historical factors in play this cycle, where right now the internals are looking every bit as strong or if not stronger than to where we were in 2010 when Republicans saw a record number of flips in Congress, do you think that it might be more in play than, than perhaps conventional wisdom would otherwise suggest? I mean, it has to be a tsunami on top of a tsunami uh, to the scale of 2010. I mean, 2010 was a, was a really, it was a red wave. That was the Tea Party year. Um, I recall it because it was, I was, had my last re-election in the state house, and we came back with a two-thirds majority in, in the House of Representatives in Florida, which is no easy feat. Um, but to win this particular seat in that district in Broward, uh, it would take a really, 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 really big wave for a Republican to win that seat. It's, it's, you know, nothing is impossible, but it's quite an uphill battle. So about the redistricting, talk to uh, State Rep. Chip Lamarca last hour, he said that uh, it's probably about right now. They're getting ready for the vote in the House. They're going to go along with the Senate map. Uh, that uh, for the the congressional redistricting that Governor DeSantis had already indicated he wasn't on board with. So it does look like we could be setting up for a battle and a potential veto here. Your thoughts? you think the state legislature is making the the right move by doing this? Well, there's a a last-minute flurry of lobbying going all around. Uh, I've heard that the governor is is making phone calls to to members to lobby for, for, for the map. So I think you won't know until the vote goes down. And the last eight to ten days of a legislative session, things that you wouldn't expect happen could happen. Uh, a lot of things may change. Um, so I'd still I'd just keep watching and wait till to see when both chambers pass out the maps. Because hmm. until okay. it's done, it's not done. Interesting. All right. I, I will definitely follow what happens here as uh as we head into what is an expected vote any time now on that map, uh, I wanted to ask you about something else, and it was something that I that I've talked a lot about recently. It's something I'm going to queue up again for today's Q and A. The property insurance crisis in Florida. You know, we've seen this continue to cascade. St. John's, the most recent insured to to be deemed insolvent last Friday. Uh, we have this this ever-growing crisis. The legislation that was passed by the state last year was thrown out in court a couple weeks after it passed. In my opinion, there's not been another area where the state legislature has perhaps been more derelict of duty in recent years than in meaningfully addressing Florida's property insurance crisis. There is a reform measure in the Senate that passed its final committee. seems pretty substantive. It's getting ready for a full vote before the Senate. But there's not one that is all that similar as a companion in the House, and I haven't seen it scheduled as we're heading down the, the home stretch of the state session. What are your thoughts about the Florida property insurance crisis? What needs to happen, and, and do you have any expectations for the remainder of the session? Well, you're really up to speed. The, the biggest problem is, is that there are not matching bills in either chamber, and the House is not, um, is not really moving a, a, a package along. Uh, with the same speed that the Senate is, the there are two big things that need to occur uh, in the insurance markets in Florida. One is tort reform. We need to get a hold of all this litigation. Thirty percent of premiums, most premiums that people pay in their in their 
homeowner's insurance are due to the amount of litigation that occurs in Florida. I mean, Florida is, is in dire need of, of reform as it relates to lawsuits that uh, are tied to insurance policies. Another thing is, is that citizens' property insurance, which is when we left office, only had about 450,000 policies, is now approaching a million policies, and that's because of these, these private insurance companies going under and not being able to, to, to make their numbers work. And the problem with the citizens' premiums, and your listeners in particular, being from Southeast Florida, are not going to like this, but the premiums in citizens' property insurance are subsidized by every other uh, insurance policy in the state because citizens' premiums are artificially capped. So... There, the the Senate bill would make the the premiums more actuarially sound, which would lead to short-term increases, which would then lead to long-term decreases. So it'd be pain in the short term for for a relief in the long term. And another thing that's missing on this issue and this item is leadership. You know, there's one person who should have and should be engaged on this issue and, and, and filling the leadership vacuum is Jimmy Petronas, the CFO. He has been conspicuously absent on this issue uh, during this legislative session. Although in previous sessions, he has taken the leadership position and actually salvaged, been able to single-handedly salvage uh, insurance packages when they were teetering on the edge of failure. But he's been conspicuously absent in this legislative session. And that's one thing that this, this issue needs right now is leadership. That is a great assessment, and it also points me in a direction for another follow-up. I, I think you made some awfully good points there. Our former Lieutenant Governor Carlos Lopez Cantera, look forward to talking to you again. Talking about that whole Florida property insurance thing, what's actually in the legislation before the Senate? Picking up on the conversation that we were just having, got the details next here at the Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610 WIOD. 